The brain is not saying you need to listen to me. You're in danger. All it's saying is, Sam, you're too zoomed in right now. You're off center. You're, you're farther away from your default setting, which is calm and filled with resilience and well-being. You're just off keter for like a couple minutes. Welcome to the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. I am your host, Justine Carino, licensed mental health counselor. I am here to lean into conversations about relationships, resilience, and recovery from life's challenges in order to support you on your journey to finding clarity in what you want for your future. We will talk about the things that no one else really wants to talk about in order to help you heal from past wounds and create a life that truly fulfills you. Please note, this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 39 of Thoughts from the Couch podcast. Here, we get to talk about common themes that come up on my therapy couch, such as how to set boundaries in toxic relationships, what it's like living with bipolar disorder, and how we can learn new ways to manage our anxiety. Today, I get to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is how our thoughts can often be bullshit. You can't always believe what you think. And I'm really excited to have my guest today, Sam Led, dive into this topic with me. So Sam is a transformation coach, podcaster, and soon to be author of the book, Fearless. So Sam, thank you so much for speaking with me today and my audience. How are you? I'm doing great. And that's the best introduction ever. Because <laughs> it's exactly what I would say in, in different parlance, but that's brilliant. I'm doing great. And it, it's an, it's a pleasure to be on your show. I love your show. I love what you're doing. It's brutally honest in a heartfelt way. It really I is. That. You didn't, Thank and you. ladies and gentlemen, she didn't like give me a, you know, pay for that, um, that plug. <laughs> she didn't send me a Venmo. It's authentic. So yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I'm so honored for you to come and talk to us. So tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your career. Sure. So I'm a transformational coach and podcaster, soon to be author. And my career is is been is taken on different angles per se. I didn't really start out coaching, although I've been coaching. I wouldn't call it coaching so much. It's kind of sort of like a shepherd or a catalyst for you know for helping people kind of re-navigate back to to who they are, to they see their their gifts and talents and, and their well-being. And I I've started out as a facilitator, a mediator. I have a graduate degree in conflict resolution. And I was always curious about, especially in my own mental health gymnastics, my own career, (laughs) working with some wonderful therapists, well-intentioned therapists that for for no fault of their own, just didn't see the forest from the trees. And I didn't either. So it was kind of like we were both playing tennis with blinders on. We were throwing darts at a board and we couldn't see the board I didn't know that at the time. I was just going along with the, going along with with the ride, with the you know the therapy ride. And again, I, I listen. I love therapy. It's a, it's a mental massage. Everyone should get on uh, on someone's couch and 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 work through some stuff. But I do think we're looking at the wrong way. My opinion, ladies and gentlemen, whatever I say today, don't listen to my words. <laughs> Find your own conclusions. Again. Well, that's why I think you're going to be a great guest because I think you bring a really interesting perspective to mental health, right? So can you tell us a little bit about your own mental health journey? What were some of the things you've struggled with throughout your life? Well, I was, I was misdiagnosed probably about 10 times with initially they thought it was a learning disability, visual motor stuff, 
I would miss kind of audio and visual sensory uh, cues where I just, someone would talk to me and I just wouldn't, it wouldn't like compre- I wouldn't able, wasn't able to comprehend it. Okay. But it would vacillate on and off. And so I just, again, I went along with, went with the flow, child psychologist, school psychologist, psychiatrist, neurologist. I've been to all of them. I've taken all the, you know, growing up and I, I grew up, you know, as a little kid in the early eighties and it was the bad old days, you know, with, with, um, and I'm sure you've read of this in, in grad school that, uh, with ADD and ADHD, they didn't know what the forest from the trees was regarding that. They would just basically throw a dart at the proverbial, uh, neurochemical board. Okay. Let's try Ritalin on them. Let's try a different form of methylphenidate. Let's do dexedrine. It's not because they didn't, they just were want to investigate on a neurochemical level what was going on. It's just, they just didn't know. They didn't have the technology to really understand this. And so, and again, back then it was like, okay, if they have a bad reaction to dexedrine or any other psychostimulant, okay, it, it must be not for them. That, you think of millions of kids, this is during the Reagan era. So a lot of folks, a lot of kids grew up in families where, you know, they, they couldn't afford, you know, private therapy. They were working, you know, they had to go through public health. So when Reagan, um, kind of put a damper on things and kind of defunded a lot of the mental health, um, the public mental health uh, of agencies across the country. It added um, kind of more uh, um, gasoline in the fire, trying to help kids. And fortunately, I grew up in a mental health family, which is even funnier. And right. my, father's a, my father's a neuropsych. And I realized not too long ago that I've been in um, an inadvertent psychotherapy. I've been analyzed for 40 plus years. <laughs> And my mother's totally. in, in, in that, in the mental health field too. Um, you know, this, my dad's still practicing for almost 50 years. You're going to have to peel the PDR from his, from his dead hands. <laughs> stop. And, you know, and the DSM, whatever comes first. So, so fast forward, I, I, I didn't start taking any psychostimulants until much later, but finally 20 plus years ago, 22, plus, I was diagnosed with ADHD and a little bit of GAD, a little bit of anxiety whatever CPT code you want to put in there and yeah. a, a little bit more, you know, a little sprinkling of this, the therapist, therapists need to get paid. Look, you get it. I get it. And a little bit of OC, it's a Venn diagram. ADHD can have a cluster of different stuff. We, you know, this better than, than I do, but something didn't make sense to me. A child of struggling with learning issues. I was extraordinarily well-versed and really gifted in one area, reading, writing, creative stuff, thinking out of the box. But my deficits were horrible. Like, you know, it was it was it was very much overwhelming to a kid, a sensitive kid that, that has a sensitive brain like I do. But when I would go to therapy or would go to the, the the school psychologist, all I heard was treatment, managing symptoms. We never focused on what what the gifts are of ADHD mm. ever. Innocently, it's not like these folks were like, you know, Dr. Evil. <laughs> they weren't like, hmm, how can we mess up Sam's life? No, they're brilliant, loving, you know, they, they take the Hippocratic oath. It's, it's, no, it's no fault of their own. It's conditioning. We've all been conditioned to think that the world outside of us, the world of our circumstances has something to do, has any influence on our state of mind or, or our life in general. And we have mm-hmm. it backwards. We were focused, every therapist focused on what's wrong, throwing treatments, you know, talking to my parents, you know, he needs to do this. And they would ask me, so Sam, how are you managing this? 
tell me how school's going, you know, with what we talked about last week, which was all negative, how I'm struggling with this and how this medication did work for this. Not once did one therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist ever ask me as a kid and as a young adult. So Sam, how are you using this very speedy, this very multitasking, think out of the box, creative, empathic, ADHD, neurodiverse mind? Are you, how are you using it? And how is it you know, making a positive impact in your day-to-day life? It was never focused on positive, always negative. So I got really curious about that. I started really, and I was angry in the beginning. You know, again, I didn't know about this understanding that I share with my clients, and you probably read up a little bit on 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 the three principles. And, and I wish I had this understanding when I was little or when I was a young adult, because I would have saved myself decades of of suffering. Because I did, and and I drove my parents crazy. I'm sure you know. And now I'm over forty, and looking back at it. I guess I had to learn this and, and had to be understand how the mind works decades later. So fast forward decades later, as a, as a traditional coach, I was hitting the same stumbling blocks with my clients. Like I was teaching them modalities and we do all kinds of creative stuff to help them see their, their, their gifts and talents and get them unstuck and, and move them forward. And then I realized that wasn't working either because you can't stop thought and in my book, and again, everyone's different. Again, ladies and gentlemen, don't listen to my words. You know, discover this for yourself. Modalities don't work. I don't care what anybody says. You can throw all this research at me from the Lancet, double-blind placebo-controlled studies. They don't work. Short-term, there's some, some therapeutic benefit. But when I saw that in myself, it was like a game changer. But I had glimpses of my well-being and of, of this gift of ADHD that, of, that I wasn't neuro, uh, well, I wasn't attention deficit, I was just attention different. When I was a little kid, I grew up in as a little kid in Connecticut, which is very similar to where you are in, in uh, Westchester. And I think in Connecticut as a kid is the most gorgeous place, woods, and you know, we play forks, we do all these, I mean, we didn't have social media, you know, we, you know, we, we walked uphill in the snow to school. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> we, we had, I would go by myself into the woods, you know, no, with nobody especially when I was overwhelmed or I just was caught up and I get, would get quiet and my thinking would slow down. And I would notice around me, the nature, the, the, the trees, especially during fall, it was exquisite. It was the most exquisite thing I've ever seen. It was beautiful. And all of a sudden two hours went by and I don't, I don't know what happened to it. I felt so like Sam, I was present. I was the most present I've ever experienced. All of us, every single one of us on this planet has access to that. And once I saw through the understanding of the three principles that I share with my clients and my, my beloved girlfriend and partner had to drag me kicking and screaming to these seminars, which I thought was all mumble jumble nonsense, seminars that were given by psychiatrists, neurologists, all these folks that stopped paying their licensing dues because they were getting nowhere with patients because patients came to see them to get better, but the outcomes were really few and far between mm. because again, how can you fix something that's not broken? Of course, if you focus on the noise between our heads, and again, I'm, I'm not saying that, that I'm right. I could be wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, go check this out yourself. If we focus on the noise in the head that always settles 100% of the time by a operating system that has its own self-correcting mechanism. We know this, scientists know this, but it's very subtle. It's not the, the wow and flutter and noise in our head 
it's this quiet voice. And when I saw that for myself and experienced that for myself, thinking that this is just another self-help nonsense, it was a game changer Hmm. because we all experience in a walk. We all engage in walking meditation every single day. But the reason why we don't really see it is because this Las Vegas light show of noise between our head is addicting. I mean, think about it for a second. I mean, why, why is there soap operas like, like the guiding light they've been running for 50 plus years because we love a good soap opera. The brain wants to keep us safe. It loves us, but we're dealing with an operating system that hasn't really had a software update since like the paleolithic era. So we're dealing with a very stupid brain, sophisticated, brilliant, stupid brain that is only as good as the person behind the the keyboard. So our brain is just is is as useless as a MacBook Pro or whatever computer you use if you don't turn it on and you don't use it correctly. Now, there's no real way of using it correctly. You use it for what you need to use it for. But when I saw that I wasn't the sum total of my ADHD thinking, that I'm not ADHD all the time, that I have a lot of calm in me, that if I allow the system to fix it, it fix itself and let my thinking settle, and I point more to what's right with me. The, the, the moments when I'm overstimulated and impulsive and forget stuff, they do still happen. Again, you can't stop thought. And, and my brain is my brain. There's millions of others like me with the same kind of, or similar kind of neurotype. I'm able to navigate better in the world. And I have less moments where it's completely sabotaging. Now, the reason why we're not taught this, I don't know. And I wish I was because, you know, we don't live in a world of, of our outside circumstances. I was... Through therapy, I was kind of pointed that way. We live in a world of thought, 100%. And once we can see that it's all made up, and and I I told this to a client the other day, I said, I want you to walk around and pretend like everything outside of you is neutral. There's no inner narrator, no jibber jabber scripting your, your minute, your second by second, minute by minute hour you have for your lunch break or whatever you're doing. Imagine if there's no inner narrator describing advice, future fantasy thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow, you know, because the brain loves to play the, you know, clairvoyant a lot of the time and it's completely off because the brain wants to keep us safe, but we're dealing with very, very old equipment. And what, what my client found, he saw the jibber jabber for what it was. You can't stop the noise, but you can see it, that it's all made up. It's all nonsense. And when, like in myself, when I, my thinking went cloudy, when the quality of my thinking was for, for no apparent reason, like we all get into a bad mood sometimes. We Sometimes we wake up on the wrong side of bed. Our brain's going to blame it on our husband. It's going to blame it on our kids. It's going to blame it on, on uh, New York traffic. It's going to blame it on whatever it is. That's what a brain does. But once you see beyond the brain, you don't have to do some woo magic. You, know, you don't have to do raking on yourself to see that because we drop out of our thinking all day long. We just don't pay attention to it enough. And when I saw that for myself and I saw that, we all have this inner state of well-being, all of us. I don't care if you're in prison right now for doing something stupid or you know, you're a CEO of a company or, or you're homeless. We all have this, this inner intelligence within us that is guiding us along the river of life, but we don't pay attention to it enough because it's not the fireworks going on. It's not, it's not sexy. It's calm. It's, it's what we experience when we sit in the back of a synagogue or a church. We don't know why, or when you see you, you look at your kid for the first time and way the light is just hitting 
side of their head and it's just gorgeous. Or the first, when the trees, when the full first fall comes and, and you're playing in the leaves with your kids and just like, it's a, it's just a gorgeous moment. That's what I'm pointing to. And when we see more of that, we're able to see that the foundation of who we are is not the sum total of our thinking. And when we are caught up in, in a low mood or ADHD moment that happens to me all the time. I mean, when I um, had to go to the airport from flying out from, cause I live in, in Santa Barbara, California to the East coast the other week, I um, went all the way to Santa Barbara airport. It's like 25 minutes away, but it was four o'clock in the morning. And I had, I couldn't find a, you know, finding an Uber that early I don't, and in New York, it's probably a lot easier, but small, small, small coastal town is a lot more difficult. I forgot my suitcase. One of my suitcases back at home. And instead of me losing my shit, I told the guy, I said, you know what? I have ADHD. I'm really sorry. I completely fudged this up. He started laughing. He's like, yeah, my wife is a, a volunteer and, and works with kids with special needs. And it was the most amazing drive back to my house to get my suitcase at four o'clock in the morning. Thankfully, my flight didn't take up to 630. So what I'm pointing to, and I don't mean to jabber on because I want, I want to, this is your podcast, um, is that once we see that when our quality of our thinking goes sideways, that it happens all the time naturally, whether we're sick or we're just, we could be rich and live in a mansion in Beverly Hills or shack on shack, right? It's, that's a talking heads lyric. I just stole that. And it wouldn't matter. We still get into bad moods. We still get anxious for no reason. Our brain still likes to find the fall guy for why we are in a financial state we are. And it's all the same. But once I saw that, like, the quality of my thinking when it goes sideways is not there to hurt me. It's not there to tell me like, oh, you know, you're a loser, baby. No, it's not there. That's it. The content of our thinking in that moment is not to be listened to. The brain is not saying you need to listen to me. You're in danger. All it's saying is, Sam, you're too zoomed in right now. You're off center. You're, you're farther away from your default setting, which is calm and filled with resilience and well-being. You're just off keter for like a couple minutes. Let go of the controls, put the engines in neutral. You can just sit with your anxiety. You can sit with feeling overwhelmed and be okay with it. But we're so scared of our experience. We are conditioned to believe that the big, bag, big bad anxiety wolves out to get us. Yeah. I mean, I got my booster the other day. It hurt a little bit. Like, does that stop me from getting, from getting uh, the vaccine or you know, when you go to the dentist, you get a cavity drilled, you, you get to, it hurts some, it, you know, life is a context for it. We're going to get our knocks, but we've been conditioned to be scared of our experience, to be scared of anxiety, to be scared of our overwhelm. Oh my God. Like that's part of being a human being. And it's innocent when we, when we try to push it down or try to ignore it, it's very innocent. It's very human. But when we see that, when we try to use modalities to, to, or change thought and change one thought for another thought, like CBT does. And again, ladies and gentlemen, CBT work for you. Awesome. I love you. I love you anyways. Once we see that, like it's a game changer. Like you, you can just, to, just knowing that you're going to suffer once in a while like with thoughts that doesn't even exist in the first place is so liberating. But when I saw like that, my brain was not my enemy, that I don't have to be scared of my experience that, yeah, I have a very speedy, sometimes a brain that gets me in trouble, like not literally, but with my own thinking a lot, that I still can pull the emergency brake 
without having to do anything when I'm really caught up by just seeing that like, oh my goodness, I'm in a low mood, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, but what's going on when I'm in a low mood? That jibber jabber is not to be listened to. The quality of our thinking is completely full of shit when we're caught up. But knowing that that's going to settle in an hour, even if someone gave me the finger, I got cut off on the freeway or, or, and, and all these things happened to me in one day, that will settle too. And just knowing that is like amazing because just like, you know, turbulence on an airplane, if turbulence crashed planes, we, no one would ever fly. Well, I look at it as it's a good metaphor for like thought turbulence. Sometimes, you know, we have anxiety that comes out of nowhere or our brain's trying to blame our anxiety on our boss or the guy sitting next to us on the subway or whatever, knowing that our brain's going to glitch, that our, that our brain's going to like get buggy sometimes, just like our, our iPhone or our, our um, laptop that freezes up sometimes, knowing it's just a machine, knowing that who I am and who all of you are is so much bigger than that machine. Like the machine is there. And again, the intellect is there to get you to that place, but you don't fall in love. You don't, you don't find that job you love. You don't get into grad school. You don't get, have a thriving psych pra- uh, psychotherapy practice by using your brain. 100% no, but you filled the application out. Your brain got you to the application. Your brain got you in the car driving to your first date to meet your husband. But love and well-being and all the good stuff, all that juicy stuff in the space before all that crazy thinking is what I'm pointing to. Sam, there's so much (laughs) I've been taking notes here on things I want to comment on. There's so much we are in alignment with here. And there's so much I want to go back to one. It sounds like growing up with your multiple diagnoses, the professionals in your life failed to look at your strengths, right? They really overlooked so much of your strengths. And I think today, at least I hope so, at least in my practice and some of my colleagues, I know we like to approach it, especially with children and young adults. What good does this bring to you? What, when you are being challenged with your mental health, what are your strengths? What is going well? What is going good for you? What advantage may this extra superpower give you? So I love that you pointed that out. And I think that mental health has really looked at deficits and we really need to look at people's strengths and how they build their identity and how they can create a future for themselves. That's so satisfying because of their strengths. So I love that you pointed that out. I also love that you're talking about, we're kind of conditioned to look at outside of us for happiness, look at the external things around us to make us feel a certain way when it's really this internal state that brings us feeling content, satisfied, fulfilled. And what I think how we can relate to is you're describing this moment in the woods, which I love that you described because I grew up in upstate New York and I spent hours in the woods. So I know exactly that you're feeling that feeling you're talking about, like just playing by yourself for hours, like no cell phone. Your mom just knew you had to come back. You were going to come back at a certain time and you could just be, it was, it's so therapeutic, but that presence that you're describing to me sounds like mindfulness, right? Like being completely present in the moment without judgment in this like level of freedom from all the noise and all, all the thinking. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, you could call and, and I love, I love the word mindfulness because just, you know, mindfulness, <laughs> you could call it a ham sandwich. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, 
it, it's so true. Like, I think the mental health industry has changed a lot since 1981 or when I was a little kid. I think it's, it is, thankfully, we still have a long way to go. Definitely. A way, a, a long, 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 long way to go. Because if people like myself, like other, and again, I still go to, I still talk to a therapist, but he's, he's more of a principles oriented therapist. But if, if there's been a lot of folks that have licensing that actually through their license again, and they've become these principal coaches have gone into prisons and gone into psych hospitals. And, you know, within a couple of sessions, people are inmates that are lifers like at San Quentin or Chino that have done terrible things in their past, feel more free than they've done than they did on the outside. They feel freer. And it's not even a feeling. It's the true essence of all of us. Like they see their blue dot of well-being that they don't, you know, like thought and thinking for me, the game changer was like, and I'm sure you teach discernment or share discernment with your, with your patients, especially because, you know, ADHD is, you know, we, we just, we see everything in technicolor. It's all coming at us at once. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but thank you. Once we get, understand how the mind really works versus what we've been taught, how the mind really works, that the mind is, is our best friend and loves us, but we're dealing with some very old equipment. Yeah. And we see it. It's a stimulus response brain that when we were cavemen, ADHD years, we would be like plaques and trophies of killing the most, you know, saber two tigers <laughs> and protecting us because we can multitask. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my, and our brain was engineered to do caveman stuff. It sounds really I love your analogy of the brain as a machine. I think that is so useful and it gets people to understand that this machine needs to be updated. It's outdated because it functioned well in cave people times right now we're, we're in present day, still trying to function with a system that wasn't, that may not be as useful as we think it is right now, you know? What are the principles that you're referring to? Can you tell us a little bit about yes. that? Now, ladies and gentlemen, when I share these with you, it's not like a prescriptive, it's not a modality, it's not a tool. It's actually how, th- how the system works, okay? And again, I mentioned, and I've mentioned this, um, it's on my other uh, stuff, on my podcast. And also I, I say this in every, every podcast that I'm on is that there's nothing wrong with you, ladies and gentlemen, nothing. You're, you're 100% perfect underneath the noise. And when we can point to that quiet more than to the noise, again, we need the intellect to get us to places, but from there on, we know what to do because life has got us and we have this inner intelligence within us. So the principles are mind, thought, and consciousness, right? So thought is this ultimate tool, this technology that's been gifted to us. And if you look at the brain, again, brain, poor brain, I've been bashing, bashing the brain all, all, all <laughs> this, whole, this whole conversation. Poor brain, it's doing the best it can with what it has on board. We're just, you know, we're just misusing the equipment and that's okay. Thought is this ultimate technology and, and the brain does its best as the, the, the bridge between the world of what we can touch, the 3D world, you know, here's table, top of my head, here's my watch and the world of the formless, the inner world. The world that that is, you know, we can't touch it, but it's actually who we really are, our conscious self, not to get all pithy, but the world beyond the 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 illusion, which is thought and thinking, because it is an illusion. We're creating a story in real time. And then the brain is giving life to thought, which I was saying that, you know, life is a set uh, thought is a salad bar, right? 
And if you've ever been to Vegas, you go to the Bellagio, these big hotels, you know, because we have discernment, like we can choose what thought we want to give life to for some, like an ADHD or like me, you know, sometimes that switch needs to be WD-40 greased a little bit because it gets mm-hmm. stuck, but you don't, you know, you don't pick 20 pieces of chocolate cake in, in this amazing buffet and 10 pieces of steak and 15 pieces of lemon chicken. No, that's discernment. So we have agency over that. So when you look at thought as the ultimate technology and you see the brain as this is the engine behind it, right? And then the ego, which Freud, whatever, that doesn't exist, that, that is the brains becomes this helicopter parent that's trying to, that's get interfering with this thought, mind and consciousness process. We then begin to see that, that when the brain gets involved sometimes, it's when we have this static, like before when we were setting up the equipment, when we were using then the other um, platform. Pocket, platform, thank you. <laughs> it was all staticky, you know? Yeah. And it was, we were having a problem and the resolution wasn't good and the sound mm-hmm. wasn't good. Well, that's kind of what the brain can do sometimes innocently. So when we see that the brain can act like Google Translate, I don't know if you've spoken to anyone from, I, I love traveling and I love Europe. So, I, you know, I would... When I first would meet someone and I would try to impress them, I'd Google translate something like into, <laughs> from English to Swedish and it would come out all garbled. Mm-hmm. That's kind of this, how, how the brain works sometimes. And so, so what, what the principles talk about is that, again, we are not the sum total of our thinking, that we are one thought away from mental health. We just don't know it. We are not living in a world of our circumstances or what the brain is convincing us to believe. Because what a brain does, it wants to keep us safe. So what does it do? It's going to say that soccer ball is dangerous or that ham sandwich is dangerous. But you have to understand that the brain can't distinguish between a saber-toothed tiger, unpaid bills, and the guy cutting you off on the freeway. Sorry, interstate, turnpike, parkway. Um, it can't. So that's, that's like, oh, yeah, okay. So I need to be – so Sam, right, whomever it is, that's kind of like some good hints that, that I have this mind that is a technology, a machine that's helping me get to places. And thought is the, the kind of map, the, 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 the languaging of it. It's, it's the, you know, the map quest. I know you don't remember map quest when I, I mean. I before, do. Okay, map quest. And then um, consciousness is who we really are. It's, it's the whole enchilada that, that once we drop out of, once we take off the Oculus glasses, which is the VR reality of, and I'm getting deep here, but of the world that we're creating meaning around in real time, that's not non-biased, it's not neutral, that all of us are creating judgment, criticism, all that stuff, compartmentalizing, comparing, future fantasy thinking, that's all made up. The brain creates problems and it solves them at the same time. So once we see that there's more to it, that we have this conscious self that's part of the whole thing that we can pump the brakes put the car in neutral and be okay with our anxiety even if we have to do a presentation in front of our coworkers, or i still can have like an adhd moment and still get work done the greatest thing about this is having compassion for ourselves when we forget who we are when we take the the, the neural i call it the neural bait like you know, the, the neurochemical bait, that the, the nonsense that the brain is feeding us when we're caught up, that when the brain is glitching or it's, it's judging or, or labeling or 
making inferences on something that we obviously don't know the outcome of, that we have this built-in intelligence intuition that we have access to when we go out in the woods or we're driving home from work after a long day or, you know, seeing our, our partner and they're, do we just look at him a certain way? And, you know, and it's innocently and they're just the most gorgeous thing ever. Like that's who we are. And if you ask the most successful people, therapists, inventors, creators, writers, doctors in the world, they point more to that state to which I'm pointing to. It's not even a state, it's our default setting. So that's my thought and consciousness in a nutshell, even though I went off into the ethers a little bit. So helpful, Sam. And I think what you're saying is the brain, our brain is really trying to make sense of all the input being thrown mm-hmm. at it. Yep. And sometimes it fails at accuracy. Sometimes the brain is just trying to make sense of input, telling us a certain story, telling us a certain na- narrative that's actually inaccurate. And then it's our consciousness that helps us filter that out. That gives us that discernment to say, no, that's not so accurate brain. Like this is the reality. Am I right about that? Well well said. And and I I think um, I wax poetic sometimes. (laughs) So that's a brilliant summation of it. And they've been teaching this understanding. And even in India, in the prisons in India, there's a whole documentary on on the principles and, and how it's really change people's lives in a way where they finally get to see who they really are Mm -hmm. that you know like we don't have to like believe the nonsense between your ears when it's we don't have to believe every thought that we that comes through and we are not our thinking like we have no the reason why cbt and these other modalities in my opinion again teach his own go with god whatever it is is that that you can't stop this energy of thought moving through us you it's and you can't, the more you try to, you know, focus on trying to change thought or change one thought for another thought and try to repattern, neuro repattern, that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of work. And the outcomes are not great. Um, I, I've done CBT my, personally. I've done a lot of, you know, and then when I got divorced, I, because I was caught up in this, again, I was believing the nonsense between my ears. When I got divorced, um, I tried EMDR for the, the trauma of it all. None of it worked. Short term, I had some relief. Yeah. Now, I think medication gets a better app. And I think that medication is like a software update for folks like me, that we do have a machine that its, its technology is, uses um, zeros and ones kind of like in computer. The, you know, our neurophysiology is very much um, like the machine that we have, you know, our computer. But the neurophysiology is brilliant and complex and has many systems like a modern car. I don't know if you've like, you know, modern car, it doesn't, it's all computers these days that if we have this medication that helps calm the noise down, if it's too much, like if the engine's running too rich and there's too much gasoline going into the fuel injectors, you're going to stall the engine out. Well, sometimes the the brain needs that and I don't poo poo it. Um, And unfortunately it does get a bad rap, but I look at it as training wheels because you may not have to use it one day. And I take medication for my ADHD because for that very much, for that very point that I, I need something to calm the noise down, not because I'm relying on it, not because there's something wrong with my brain. Again, if I was the only person that had ADHD or had this kind of brain, I say, yeah, there's something wrong with me. There are millions of other neurodiverse folks out there that just 
we, we, our brain just works a little differently. I am so excited to announce that I am creating an online course that's going to help you learn simple ways to manage your anxiety on a daily basis. I absolutely love providing one-to-one psychotherapy, but unfortunately, I can't reach everybody. So I created a tool that's going to give you more access to anxiety support. If you want to be one of the first to know when this course launches, head to my show notes and sign up for my email list or download my freebie on perfectionism or how to create a personal wellness routine and you will be added to the wait list. I hope to see you there. So I know you have some beef with CBT. but I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not writing a blog on it. I, I love yeah. it. Um, and I... No beef. No beef, but no. that is a modality that I use with a lot of my clients. Oops. Yeah. But you're but- still a brilliant, but you're still a brilliant therapist. I, again, <laughs> I always say this with the asterisks and a disclaimer. If it works for you, then, oh my God. Like, it works. I don't, but I, I know. You know. Some of the principles from CBT that I think is helpful is relating to what you're talking about is to teach mm-hmm. someone to question the accuracy of their thoughts, right? So kind of use their consciousness to then question like, okay, for the past five days, you've been beating yourself up over blah, blah, blah. Now CBT can be a tool to help you question that accuracy of that thought. And I I agree with you. And you're like, it's so, it's so difficult for a person to stop, think about what they're thinking about, change that thought, move forward. Like that is difficult. That is really hard. But I think when people are able to reflect later, when they are Mm. at stillness, that's when that tool comes in. Totally. And I agree with you on that respect. I just think that with CBT, it's pulling a lot of levels, levers. And there's a wonderful psychologist, Dr. Amy Johnson, who wrote a book called Just, Just One Thought. She's another one of the, you would love her because she's very much like you, no, no BS, very heart centered, but she's, you know, she's from Detroit. She's like, you, you guys would get along. And she taught, she wrote, she's a, you know, a, a best-selling author. And she talks about the fact that with CBT for some, some patients, not yeah. for everybody. It's just pulling, it's putting thought in too many boxes, right? Our, our brain compartmentalizes stuff, especially men. We, do, we put it in, in, you know, especially when we get into an argument with our partner, you know, we don't want to deal with it. We put it in, in the shoebox somewhere in the back, recesses of our brain. Um, she talks about the fact that we're pulling so many level levers to change something that doesn't need to be changed. But if you can just, again, I guess you could call it anything. If you can just see like, hmm, I'm feeling really crappy right now. Yeah, maybe my, you know, maybe I, I'm, I'm scared. Yeah, I might be scared that I can't pay my rent next month because finances aren't great. But let me get curious about that because I know plenty of, you know, plenty of people that are poor and are happy. So it's momentary. It's we need to let crappy thoughts move through us. Exactly. And, and just just knowing that that it's like again thought turbulence. It's like. And I, I love this other metaphor. You, you'll love this too, is, is that, you know, thinking, thought and thinking is like weather, right? Like today, gorgeous day. I mean, it's, it's you know, Southern California, so we're kind of spoiled, but, but yeah. um, you know, especially in, in, you know, when you have Indian summer, right? When in mm-hmm. November, it's like 80 degrees, you're like what's going on here? But the next day it's stormy and then it's freezing. And then the next day it's sunny again. Well, we're the sky. The weather is thought. You're going to have some nice puffy Bob Ross clouds and you're going to have some cumulonimbus like angry nor'easter storm clouds. And if you can just sit with it, 
as hard as that sounds, but, it, but again, ladies and gentlemen, you don't realize how amazing you are. You don't realize like you're born amazing. Then as we get older, we have this tape recorder, you know, recording every, every uh, actions like ESPN. Like there was a great um, sportscaster in New York and I think it was WOR or WPIX when I was a little kid. Um, he was like, let's go to the videotape. Well, that's what the brain does when we have a breakup and then we go back to, you know, we ha- when the last bro- breakup before that, how much of a loser we are. We can't keep a relationship. Okay. I'm preaching to the choir. I'm going to stop talking, <laughs> but you get it. You get I it. totally were. And one thing that we also align with is we all need to be able to sit with our emotions, no matter yeah. how uncomfortable they are. We are conditioned to push them, avoid them, constantly try and make ourselves feel happier, right? Which is unrealistic all the time. We need to sit with our uncomfortable thoughts. We need to sit with our uncomfortable feelings, move through them, allow them to be there. And then, you know, we come back to what you're saying is like this homeostasis, like it all settles again. So Mm -hmm. I totally agree with this. This is something so useful. I think for everyone to understand and practice no matter what their way they're trying to do it, they're trying to do it with CBT. They're trying to do it with this, that, the other. If crystals work for you, then crystals, (laughs) whatever you're doing, (laughs) Hey, chakras, whatever, you know, to get to this state of peace, that's what's going to work. So we're in agreement with this. I am, I'm so appreciative of you explaining this to my listeners because it's something I've talked about a lot and like we have referred to, but I haven't had an episode yet with someone really sitting down and explaining this. So this is so useful for my listeners. And I hope I didn't go off into the ethers, but if I can say one thing to your audience is that, ladies and gentlemen, you know, boys and girls, (laughs) look look for a feel good feeling. Don't push it. If you, if you knew how miraculous of a human being, and I'm not getting, I don't, again, I'm not trying to get sanctimonious on anybody, but if you, if you really see how amazing of a human being you are, a spiritual being in this meat suit and how amazing your the machine is. And when you are caught up and we all have those moments, you know, life's a contact sport, right? I mean, we're going to get knocked around sometimes. See your resilience because sometimes in that darkness, we, we don't really, you know, suffering's optional. That's a, another cliche, but sometimes in that darkness is, is enough as the catalyst. And this is what happened to me that my own darkness was the catalyst to seeing that light, which is well-being. And there are plenty of people that have nothing. You know, we read stories all the time about families in, 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 in war-torn areas of the world that have, you know, their building just was blown up by a rocket. People died. Yes, it was horrible, but all these families are helping each other out. And hours after the bombing, their kids still playing soccer and laughing. So, so if that's true, then how do you explain if, if, if that's true, then how do you, it, then thought is moving through. It can't be uh, um, a static thing. And that's kind of the hope that we all have. Like hope is our foundation underneath the noise. And I think that's, is sometimes we forget. I forget, you forget. We all like get caught up in our humanness all the time. And, and no one, you can't be happy all the time, but also self-care, self-compassion is, is, is uh, cliched as that sounds, especially for people with neurodiverse brains is so important. What I mean by that is you make a mistake, you lose your shit. You, you have a moment or you get into an argument with somebody, even if it's your fault, something you did and you still get defensive and you feel terrible, forgive yourself because your life is so valuable and your life is so important. I don't care who you are. 
Amen to that. That was really, really powerful, Sam. That was so well said and beautifully said. And the resilience that you're talking about, I think is what really is so useful as a takeaway for people. You know, resilience can show up and that is where some of the peace can come. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. How can people find you? How can people connect with you? Where are you in this world? It depends on the day. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, it's like the Beatles song here, there and everywhere. Um, My website is uh, samledconsulting.com and uh, Instagram is samledconsulting, Facebook, samledconsulting. Pretty easy. Pretty consistent. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's, um, you know, because I, if I had different web, I'd probably forget one from the other. So I make it consistent for my own neurodiversity. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But, but, you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you really want to have a conversation, um, you know, send me a DM. Um, I'm look, booking clients um, into next year, but not right now, but next year I'll have some openings. But I, again, there's a lot of um, information on the three principles. Dr. Amy Johnson's book, Just One Thought. Um, Michael Neal, who's one of my favorite coaches who, I still go to seminars. Um, not I'm 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 a um, in recovery personal development junkie. No, I'm kidding. His <laughs> book is called um, The Space Within. Michael Neal, The Space Within, and um, there's another book by name of uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Jack Jack Pransky wrote called If We Were Only Taught This or something like that. Jack Doctor Jack Pransky. So these are all useful resources, and I'll make sure they're linked in the show notes as well as your website in any way listeners can find you. So Sam, thank you. Thank you so much for coming to talk with me today. It's an honor. And thank you for having me. I am so happy that I was able to interview Sam. I love that he was able to speak to his own experience with mental health, but also teach us that we can't always believe what we think and being able to separate yourself from your thinking patterns through a level of conscious awareness is such a gift and key to overall mental wellness that we all really need to practice. If you enjoyed this episode, you may also want to go listen to episode number 23 called Mindfulness as a Way of Living. That can tell you a little bit more about becoming an observer of your own thoughts and not reacting to them through the use of a mindfulness practice. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Please don't forget to rate or review this episode so I can get this content out into the world and support more people on their mental health journeys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the information shared during this episode. Please consider subscribing so you can stay updated when new episodes are released. And don't forget to check out the podcast show notes to find any resources that were mentioned in today's conversation. Thank you for listening and enjoy all the moments your day has to offer you.